we're going to do this one right. This is our last one. We're going to finish strong. If you're down for it, you're down. I'm in. I'm done. Welcome back. Welcome back, Davey. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. That is in Romans 6, and it is a very famous <laughs> verse. When I said there was a famous verse in Romans 6, I wasn't, I wasn't just talking out of school. I knew there was something, and this is it. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life, which is a very good gift indeed. But first, let's talk about bad gifts. Yeah. Nothing, nothing is... Uh, Nothing is so ripe for a bad gift as a white elephant gift exchange. We're coming up on Christmas. Perhaps you have a white elephant gift coming up. You're going to get together and you're, you're asked to bring a white elephant gift. Now, a white elephant gift, these are my favorite, favorite things. I have, I have, uh, I have made a name for myself in white elephant gifts. Uh, I can share some stories that are okay. Um, but a white elephant gift is basically something that has some value. The idea is that everybody goes to a party. Everybody brings a gift. And then not only does everybody bring a gift, but now everybody also gets to receive one, but you get to receive something that someone else brought and you're opening up and there's really no rules except good ones put like a dollar value where there's you know nothing more than $20. So like nobody's going to open up a, you know, $20,000 Rolex while the other guy opens up a little stuffed teddy bear. But there's usually a, a minimum and a maximum. So it's got to be at least, it's got to at least have $5 of value. Yeah. Can't be just, it, it shouldn't be just, um, you know, dirty socks. Although some people do do that. I remember some people in our church, uh, wrapped up this little box of a bunch of broken and used pencils. <laughs> it's like, it was like 12 or 13 pencils that were all used with the dirty erasers and stuff. And it's like, that's a really crappy white elephant gift. There's like no value there. Have you, have you ever done a white elephant gift exchange? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely have. In well, fact, I already knew that was the true answer because you and I have both done them. <laughs> we, we've both participated together. Mm -hmm. Um, or yeah, participates the right word. I don't want to say like incriminated or anything, but, <clears throat> but my, it's funny. My son just this week came home, uh, from his youth group and he's, he was really excited. He's like, dad, we're doing a white elephant gift. And, uh, and he's like, all right, I need to come up with ideas. We have a limit of $20. What do you think I should do? Do you have any ideas for me? And I'm telling you, Dave, 
I had flashbacks <laughs> and I'm picturing different events all throughout my my high school career. And I started like giggling on the floor because it was so funny. All of the things I remember from white elephant gifts. You couldn't have given them any of our ideas. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's funny because so I'm like, oh, man, Stevie, this I said, some of them are pretty good. Some of them are just OK. Some of the famous ones. I remember there was this wooden. I don't know. It was like a it was like a f statue, like this figurine that was made out of logs. And mm -hmm. I remember uh, a girl from our youth group named Jocelyn. She she either originally brought it or she was like the one that got it. Right. But mm -hmm. this this log person came back every year and I, I think they called him Woody. But um, yeah. so do you remember Woody? I remember Woody. Yeah. And uh, so that one was a reoccurring gift that was kind of fun. Do you remember um, the retirement of Woody? No. <laughs> Woody, Woody was a theme in our church youth group where every year, whoever got Woody would then also bring Woody back. And it lived well after Jocelyn. Really? Uh, yeah, because Woody was still there after Jocelyn graduated, after you graduated. And I was there, and I believe it was Brandon Conley. I might be wrong about that, so I, I shouldn't say either he got it or he... But somebody <laughs> shredded Woody. Really? In like and a brought winter? Woody in a box of sawdust. <laughs> <laughs> and the idea was they were going to kill Woody. I think they were upset that they ended up with Woody. But it lasted years, and someone wrecked it by... by putting them through a sawmill. Oh, wow. It had the little hair and the mittens or whatever. It was just a box of wood chippings that was the wooden statue of Woody. Yeah. So what I brought my first year, my, my family's, uh, you know, bricklayers, right? So I filled up a, you know, a regular size box full of center block, right? Like cement block. And I, that was tough to wrap, but I brought that in and, yeah. and, and that was really heavy, right? Like you, you set it down and it, and it like clinks. That's a terrible way. <laughs> you get it as just cement. <laughs> but I remember. They got to put it in their car. I think we put some M&Ms, a bag of M&Ms in the, in the uh, okay. box as well. So it had so. $5 of value also the concrete. <laughs> Hey, you never know. You might That's have... a great idea for a white elephant gift. Put a bunch of concrete in there, but then put $5 of value inside of it. So they have $5 of value and concrete. They have to figure out what to do with. That's a good one. But the I wasn't ones... there that year. Well, it was it was my first year, it was my freshman year. But um right. Well, you made a name for yourself. Well, nice. and then I remember the one that I giggle about even to this day that makes, I mean, this just makes me laugh. And I think you brought this was there was, I remember, I don't remember being a. Oh, hang on. 
Hang on a second. I'm not getting any audio from you. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, no, I am. There's yeah. just a delay. Oh, okay. Sorry, the delay got bad. It was starting to get fuzzy, and I think uh, I apologize. Okay. So keep going. I, I my, my bad. So I don't remember if I was a part of the process of buying and wrapping this gift, but I remember the gift like it was yesterday. It was a perfect sphere, about eight inches, right? Yeah, you were definitely a part of that. Okay. That, yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> And it was wrapped really nicely in, in gift wrapped. And when we set it, so everyone got in a big circle around, you know, the youth group room. And there was a pile of president, presents. And one of the last presents to go on the pile was this, this present, right? And when we perfect, set it. Perfect sphere, like a small soccer ball. Yeah. And when we set it down <laughs> and everyone sitting around the circle and I think we played bingo to figure out who got the first present, right? And as you won bingo, you got to pick a present. Well, the, while we're playing bingo, this the soccer ball-sized sphere starts rolling itself around the room. <laughs> Dave, that was one of the funniest things in my life because the like it's supposed to be funny when you open the present. This one was funny because we all knew what was in the present. Yeah, a hamster's about five dollars <laughs> back then. <laughs> and whoever ended up with this was, was just Jessica Cronin. What? Oh, you're kidding! No, it's always Jessica Cronin with me. Wait, didn't she get the other one too? Yeah, she got the other one that we said we weren't going to talk about. Yeah, that one. <laughs> So needless to say, Jessica ended up with a lot of those. Just so I thought it would be funny, which really, I mean, looking back, it was funny. It was definitely funny. But we were trying to think of creative white elephant gifts. And so we bought the hamster and then we bought one of those balls that could run around him. And so now whoever opens up this gift is now stuck with a hamster, but they have the responsibility for like <laughs> caring for a life. And it's like, I didn't have a cage. I didn't have food. I didn't have water. <laughs> I had, I had hamster and ball. <laughs> it's yours now. <laughs> By the way, it hasn't had a drink in about nine hours. <laughs> Good luck with like, that. If I were to do it now, I would have more. I would I would have taken these things into consideration. Like you think, well, you got to be somewhat responsible. This is a hamster's life. It needs things. If you're going to. But no, I bestowed a hamster in a ball and said, your problem <laughs> your problem now and so did she ended up taking that home well what happened was she actually um i grabbed it and then put it in the pile because there was a when we did this there Didn't was it, 50 or 60 kids tell playing. me if i remember this wrong did it start up high and then roll off like a table or something 
Yeah, but she didn't know when she opened it, she didn't know there was going to be a hamster. That's it was like, right. we, you and I were in on it. Like we knew. <laughs> and, and we would tell our friends, don't open the ball. Don't, don't open the ball. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so then, uh, but, but it was, she so, should we, have known. We, we didn't put it in a box or anything. We just, we wrapped the ball itself. So it was like perfectly yeah. circle. And so then when she picked it up, she it felt moved. it move. Yeah. And then she freaked out and, and tossed she it. Threw it. Yeah. So she threw it like 10 feet away from her and it slammed on the ground. And then all of us are like, <laughs> no. And then and then everyone we told is like, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're gonna hurt the hamster. And um then once it landed, stayed for a second. And then started to roll and then it kept rolling around. <laughs> and then everybody was like, what, what in the world is that? Oh, that so was then so she good. opened it up and she had a hamster. She kept asking somebody to trade. Will, with her. will you trade with me? And she was such a, I mean, she's such a sweet girl. That's and the problem. Like Jessica Cronin was not the one that I bought that gift for. I bought yeah. that gift for somebody like Eric Griffin. Yeah. You yeah. know, Somebody who's, you know, you're, you're top of the, you're the alpha male football guy, dating a cheerleader musician. Yeah, you get, you get my hamster. Yeah. <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah. Good luck, Eric. Don't kill the hamster. You psycho. But <laughs> alas, it wasn't the popular guy who got it. It was sweet. Jessica Cronin and everything with Jessica Cronin and me you know, there was a lot of girls in our youth group that I was interested in at various periods because there was a lot of attractive girls that went to Grace. Let's yeah. face it. I mean, I had a lot of opportunity, missed them all, but <laughs> they were there. And so in the moment, and with Jessica, she was so nice and sweet, but I never had a chance with Jessica starting from day one. And that's your fault. And I take somewhat responsibility, no, but you're you have, have to take explain all to me. I was new. I didn't know. What did I do to Jessica that made it to where I was now the bad guy that I, what did I do that ruined it for the rest of the four years of high school? Are, are you talking about tripping? That you made me. Yes. I, oh, see, I don't think I made you do that. You literally said, I will not be your friend. <laughs> Remind <laughs> me, <laughs> tell me the story. Well, there was a thing, you know, we're, we're dumb high school kids. And so there's a, there was a, it was like a trend or something like that, where what would happen is if you're with your friends and you're walking in front of your friends, then as they're doing their steps, you time it to where their back foot is at the end and you just kick the back foot. So it hooks around, you kick the right foot so it hooks around the left leg and then they like stumble and stumble and then they turn around and be like hey <laughs> but of course we were boys and they're girls ninth yeah. grade it's a way of flirting it's a thing you do and it was like a you know and so i had seen you guys who were the elder you guys were the older kids to me yeah i was brand new ninth grade homeschool i don't have any friends and you guys are like popular, 
and you've been in the church for a long time, you know, everyone you're joking around and I'm sitting there wishing I could be part of the joke. Like, ha ha awkward. And then you, me and Rich Trahey were walking behind Jessica Cronenwet. I think Emily Llewellyn and like Jill Grondon or something. It was, I think those were the three, but like, well-established girls, but then Jessica Cronin was also in ninth grade like me. She was she was young. She had just grown up into Impact, which was the name for the high school group. And she was like really quiet and sweet and small. And then you guys were like, hey, we're going to kick kick the foot. And I'd seen you guys do it lots of times before. So I was like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. They're calling me and I get to play. And so they're walking together. One two three you me and rich all kick the girl's foot that was your girl jill emily both trip Ugh. you know catch themselves quickly and like turn around all upset fake upset but they're like what jessica Cronowit, i kicked her foot she hooked her leg and <laughs> fell face first into a wet parking lot oh <clears throat> And then she got up and the girls don't care that you, they got tripped. They're taking care of Jessica, who's the new girl. Yeah. And then all three of them turn around to me and we're like, what's your problem? Not cool, Dave. Not <laughs> like, why did you do that? Yeah. I'm like, you guys got tripped. I felt so, I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I didn't know how to play it off. I was nope. a new kid. Was there a oh, wet willy story the... as well? Huh? Was there a wet willy story as well? Not that I remember. Oh, okay. All right. Do you remember one? <laughs> I thought I did, but it may have been a different situation. <laughs> I don't I don't remember a wet willy situation, but I do remember that I tripped dressed at Corona wet and she went down into the puddle. And the other two girls just tripped funny way, but the girl I did it to actually went down. And then everybody thought I was a real jerk. Yeah. And then uh, she got the hamster. Yeah. Which uh, and, it's not and like she... I'm going to trade you for a hamster. I don't want a hamster. Good grief. <laughs> but I wished it hadn't happened to her. Yeah. And then there was the one year we we had we bought a goldfish and the goldfish died, and we decided we were going to give it anyway. We were in the. <laughs> We were in the mood of giving things that had life. And even though it no longer had life, we wrapped a jar with a goldfish in it that was dead. And then Jessica Corona went, got that too. <laughs> and everyone's like, who gave a dead goldfish to white elephant gifts? What? It was dead? But that one, see, unlike you and Rich, who didn't bail me out and left me hanging and responsible for the catastrophe of Jessica going in the puddle... Uh, Jenny O'Gearson bailed yeah. me out of the dead fish because Jenny O'Gearson traded instead of opening a new gift from the pile, Jenny O'Gearson traded with Jessica Cronowet for the dead fish. Yeah. Which the whole youth group was a little bit like that was a bad move. <laughs> that's odd because <laughs> it's not like you're going to open something worse than a dead fish. <laughs> I mean, you could open a ball that ended up just being all wrapping paper. 
<laughs> you at least don't have a dead fish. But the, she wanted it. The worst part of that story is that I think she took it home and put it in the freezer. She did. And then she she told us that she used it as her her uh, gymnastics team's mascot. mascot. It was she it did. was it was like happy the happy goldfish or something. Happy the lucky goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she really seemed to think there was something really funny about that. Now, to be fair, we also thought it was funny, so we're also sick in the same way. I look back and I say, that's not that funny. Yeah. But Jenny thought it was so funny that she actually traded for it. Yeah. Made it her gymnastics team mascot for a year and then brought the frozen version of the same dead fish (laughs) to church white elephant next year. She wanted to do the Woody with it. Yeah. Yeah. But look, that thing's that thing's not going to have the same staying power as a good sturdy (laughs) wooden statue. (laughs) Oh man. Happy the lucky goldfish. So Stevie's thinking like a an electric scooter or something. And I'm like, buddy, you don't understand the assignment, right? Like that actually sounds good. But uh Yeah, but- well, that's that's interesting because I've done two white elephant gifts in California. Okay. So Stevie and I were on the same track. Okay. Um in California, of course, I'm now doing it with adults. I'm not gonna give a dead goldfish. It's not funny anymore. Yeah. Like I have to, I have to at least provide that $5 value to a high school kid turns into a $20 value as an adult. Okay. Nobody wants a dead fish. If you bring, going to bring a dead fish, just like the cement, you got to put some lottery tickets in there or something to make it worth, worth the opening. Yeah. The first year I bought, the limit was $50. So I bought two of those hoverboard things off Craigslist oh, okay. for $100. And I kept one for myself. And actually the limit was $40, but I was like, 50 is close enough. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of close enough because I got a deal on Craigslist and it was only 50 if I bought two. But my gift was like way more expensive than all the other gifts. Okay. As far as value, a hoverboard, everybody else has got like a bottle of wine and, you know, here's a nice little set of cocktail glasses or, you know, see those don't sound like offs, you know, whatever. And I bring a hoverboard, (laughs) (laughs) but those don't sound like white elephant gifts, right? Like those sound like gifts. Well, as you grow, you've got to evolve. The idea for me is creativity. Gotcha. Now, my next gift is a white elephant gift more along the lines of high school. Okay. I got, I remember buying, I only remember, I always keep saying scratch-offs because I was like, scratch-offs are fun. And if you pay 40 bucks in scratch-offs, you can get a bunch of them. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, it's fun to do. Yeah. But I found somebody had driven away from the gas pump and the whole hose disconnected from the gas pump. Really? And they kept driving. So like, obviously that's what I think happened because right outside the Starbucks where I get coffee, there was a gas pump 
that was a full on honking huge gas pump <laughs> full on. And so I bought the scratch off. So there was the value, but I put it in a box All with right. the gas pump. So somebody, you know, this is an adult party. So it's like, it's not, I'm not going to show up with nothing. Yeah. So I, so the scratch offs were actually traded, but if you wanted the scratch offs, which you could become a millionaire, right. Or yeah, probably or at least $20,000 was the most, but like, you could it could potentially be worth way more than anybody else's, but you had to take the stinky gas pump if you wanted it. Where have you kept this gas pump? I didn't get the prize. I brought that, wrapped it, and yeah. Gave but where it. where did you keep this? Is it like in your garage or? You, you I like... don't own it. Oh, okay, but you at one time did own it. No, 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 no. I found it yeah. on the side of the road, and I then put it you... in my car. And then you immediately drove it to the party? Within like a week. Oh, okay. All right. All right. It was, it was, yeah, it was not, it was not close. Because if today, if I saw a broken gas pump on the side of the road. You would leave it. I wouldn't see opportunity. <laughs> you know? I had to have, I had to have my brain in white elephant gift mode. Gotcha. To go, I'm going to bring a great big box with an actual gas pump. That still stinks with gasoline. <laughs> and I'm going to put scratch-offs in the box so people trade for it because they want it. Yes, yes. All right. When I walked in with the gas pump prize with the box after yeah. the year before and the year before, people yeah. were like, people were like, mine was picked first. Everybody wants my gift. Hmm. Because it's, the, and, and what, what my friend Vanessa said who opened it, mm -hmm. she was like, Honestly, I might love it. I might hate it, but Dave's gift is going to be the story of the night. So I'm going to open it. Hey, that's a good one. And way that's to go. what I, that's how you know you're winning White Elephant. Doesn't that's... matter if it's good, bad, or indifferent. If, if people think that yours is going to be the story, yeah. Stevie, you're doing it right. It there doesn't matter what you get, just make it memorable. Memorable. That, and that's, that's, it's always been your shtick. It's always been good. As far as White Elephants go, yeah. All right, so let's uh, get into Romans 6. Let's do uh, it. Romans the 6. famous verse is coming. I promised it, and I delivered. <laughs> Romans 6, 19 through 23. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteousness, live, righteous living, so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things that you used to do, things that ended in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Now you do things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ, Jesus our Lord. And that's Romans six nineteen through 23. Was there any part of that that just jumped out at you by any chance? Uh, like that last line? 
Well, no, I'm done oh, okay. patting myself on the back for knowing that there was a famous verse in this chapter. I won't even bring it up again that I said there was going to be a famous verse and there was a famous verse. <laughs> even though I got it, the verse wrong, I delivered. I won't say it again. Um, no, the, the thing that, that, you know, maybe separate from the overarching lesson, but was, uh, and what was the result? This is the result of you now um, no longer being slaves to sin. Yeah. You are now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. The thing about that that I find so fascinating is how oftentimes I hear people talk about their past mm -hmm. in a sense of, like you can tell when they're talking about the things they used to do that were not that great. Yeah. That they're genuinely excited about those things. Like, Oh yeah. I used to sneak out of school and you know, when my teachers weren't looking and we'd go smoke pot on the roof of the high school and like, whatever, like I made up that story, but it's like, you tell the story as if like the light in your eyes goes on. And you're saying, oh, yeah, the women you used to be with or the the things you used to do that were so bad. And it's like, but then I became a Christian. And it's like, but we got to bring it back down hmm. and to a to a kid. You hear these kind of testimonies and you're like, oh, man, then you became a dud. I'd rather go. I'd rather sneak out of class and go smoke weed on the roof of the school. Right. Like I. You made the you made the sin sound so fun, hmm. and I've heard that a lot. Have you, or am I just alone in that? Um, I know what you're saying. You're saying that there are people that, when they're describing their old life, they're describing it. There's they're describing it with kind of a reminiscent reminiscent feel to it that they you're romantic. You're it's romantic of you're romanticizing the past of. But, I, but where you are not doing right, I think that as often I've heard people who are truly repentant and ran from it. Um, I I think of a buddy I have named Mike that, you know, when there was a day that he changed and he is he is so far from what he was on that day mm -hmm. to now, and <clears throat> and he thinks of his life with such regret, and and he really does. I mean, it's, it's just a real testament to how God can change people. I think of even like, uh, you think of, have you ever, you know, the duck dynasty guys? Yeah. The, uh, the dad, Phil Robertson. Yeah. He, the way he talks about his whole old life and mm -hmm. how he lived. I mean, he, he really, uh, I mean, it's not like he beats himself down about it, but he really talks about it in terms of I was I was horrible. And uh, you, you don't and it's even recently, I think he had a daughter, a daughter that he didn't even know existed. Uh, I think just this year came forward and through a DNA test and found out that Phil Robertson was her dad. And so, yeah, and, and he, the daughter is younger than some of his sons. Yes, 
Yes. In fact, so she's, like, she's, that, I think she would be the youngest. Well, that might not be true, but he's, she's definitely much younger than some of her, his sons. So, yeah. um, yeah, so he but, was having a, it was evidence of an affair. Yes. And she comes in and I mean, he fully embraced her and, and brought her right in and, and like, it's an embarrassing thing, but it's like he he really is a totally different person. And you get that impression from him when he speaks. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I know what you're talking about. I have seen where people sort of romanticize their Yeah, well, past with that sin. situation, it's he always tells that story in the context of, well, this is awful. And I heard the other sons from Duck Dynasty say, really it's great that dad has, <clears throat> excuse me, accepted her and been gracious with her. But the real towering figure in this story is my mother. Yeah. Because he's still married to his wife. Yeah. And now here he's cheated on her. And all of a sudden, some other child from another woman shows up and goes, I think I'm your daughter because of a DNA test. Yeah. And his wife was gracious and accepted. And I saw they did a podcast together. Yeah. And it's like, holy cow, that is that is pretty tough. Cause how many women want to associate with this new daughter that's not theirs that you know they've got four older kids with and they're still with the guy? I mean, that's what I'm I guess I'm was more thinking about just the idea that um I've heard people make the old life sound like it was a blast. Yeah. Like when I'm listening to it going, wow, I wish I could have hung out with you when you were then hanging out with you now sucks. It's boring. You know, now you're a Christian. Okay, great. So we can't do anything fun. Like you used to be fun and now you don't have any fun ideas. So do you think that is a, that that's just how it is? That it really was more fun, or do you think it's a uh, sort of a place where their heart is? Yeah, it seems like um, it's a little bit of a lack of self-awareness and might kind of, I don't think it's the right approach to your own self. I was uh, talking to my roommates last night and I was telling some stories of things I've done. And I said, straight up, I said, look, I've done a lot of really, really terrible things that I'm not extremely proud of. And my roommate said to me, well, I've heard a lot of your stories of where you almost did something really stupid, but you didn't. And you tell the story and it's so funny. Hmm. And I was like, yeah, because I don't tell you the stories when I really screwed up because I'm embarrassed. It's like the the ones where I was on the wrong track but ended up not making a bad decision, those are still funny stories because I can tell them in a context of, well, I wouldn't do that today. Yeah. But I can tell you how when I was younger, and my roommates are much younger than me, I can tell you a story and I can tell it 
the ones that where I, my conscience is my conscience is ultimately clear where I can say, yeah, my head was in the wrong place and I was going down this road. Thank goodness. I didn't get to the dead end. Yeah. And he was like, well, I always hear the stories where you almost did, but you didn't. And I was like, Oh, there's plenty where I did, but what's the point of telling those stories? Like, I just try to, I try to imagine that that's not part of me. Like, I don't think about it and I just have to tell you, trust me, take the stories where I almost did, but didn't and just go, there's a few where I did. (laughs) Just believe me on that. And I don't need to, I don't need to prove it to you. And those aren't fun stories for me. So what you're saying is this does fit in for you that you are ashamed of those things. Very much so. Yeah. And, and I always find it interesting because I've heard so many people throughout my life tell me a story where they make their old self sound so much fun. And I'm thinking, but the, what's the result that you're ashamed of the things you used to do. And I resonate with that. I'm like, if I could undo, uh, a lot of the things, you know, one of the things I hear people say all the time is I have no regrets because everything that I did is those were all building blocks that made me the person that I am today. And I think, do you really think you're like this tower of human being that all your mistakes were actually a good idea? Because I think to myself, if I hadn't made all those mistakes, I might be a way better person. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'm not saying I didn't learn from any of my mistakes. Of course, my mistakes are experiences that I can then use to not make the same mistake twice but certainly there would be a benefit if i hadn't made the mistake in the first place at all i mean to me that's just common sense yeah you can still learn without actually go without actually doing it you know some kids believe their parents that the stove is hot and they shouldn't touch it and some kids touch the stove and learn that the stove is hot Both kids leave knowing that the stove is hot, but one of them has got a couple of days of pain they have to endure. Now, if you want to say, well, I'm really glad that I had those couple of days of pain because I know the stove is hot. Fine. But the kid who just took his mother's word for it is better than is ahead of you because (laughs) he knows the stove is hot and he doesn't have a burn finger. (laughs) So that's a silly, stupid example, but it's like, um, I don't know. That was where my, that was where my brain uh, went when you were reading it. I was like, it just sort of, it just sort of leapt out at me. Like, yeah, you should be ashamed of the things you used to do. That was completely self-indulgent and awful and hurt yourself and other people. Yeah. But you know, that's uh, it seems like I've, that's the best approach yep. to, and, and in contrast, you know, in 22, it says, now you do things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. And this, this idea of eternal life, which the Bible always portrays in a present tense, right? Mm-hmm. This idea that once you become a believer, you are already experiencing alter- eternal life. This 
is this is remarkable, right? Like this is this is the idea that gets so watered down in our culture that, you know, everyone's going to make it to heaven. The idea if the, if there's a place after after this, you know, I'll make it. Um, but this is not something that we should take for granted. We are being offered eternal life as, you know, adopted children of God, right? Like this is a really, truly uh, remarkable thing. And, uh, you know, basically we're going to be living forever, right? That is, that's just such a great thing. Yeah, that's an interesting turn of phrase because the idea of, you know, so much of what Paul is saying is you used to be obligated to obey the law, but now you're free from it. Yeah. You used to have these obligations and used to be a slave to sin, but now you're free. In this one, he sort of flips the script and says, <clears throat> you know, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. In that sense of obligation, uh, a lot of these words I'm realizing as I'm reading that you can take it one of two ways. When I hear of an obligation, it sounds like you have an obligation to be here at this time, so be there. I have this idea of, well, I don't have the choice, so this is what I'm set to do because somebody else is telling me I need to be here at this time. I have an obligation to be at work at 8.30 in the morning. And so whether I like it or not, that's my obligation. And what this is saying is you used to be a slave to a sin. You used to just have yourself you were serving. But uh, back then, you were free from the obligation to do right. Well, what is that obligation coming from? It's no longer coming from like your boss telling you to come from work. It's like you have, you know, as a Christian, you feel like I need to be more like Christ. I need to be a better person. And that is what your pursuit is. It's not like obligation almost puts a different uh, spin on the same word, you know, I feel obligated to, you know, have fresh breath in, you know, as when I'm talking to people, it's not because, oh, I have to brush my teeth. Like it's a job. It's like, well, no, I don't want to have stinky breath around my coworkers. So I brush my teeth. <laughs> like It's an obligation. And so it's like, you're now, you're not, you're no longer a slave of sin. You have an obligation to do right. It's everything that you want is to do right. You're, you're obligated. It's like a compulsion. Like it's, that's the actual desire of your heart. And it's like, so what's the result of that? Well, you look back at all the times you just, you know, you didn't brush your teeth and you were all stinky that you had that reputation and you regret it. You know, yeah. you go, well, I wish I had been, I wish I had been a little more cognizant of personal hygiene at that time because I gained a reputation that I didn't like. And then you're not going to tell that story to your next job. 
<laughs> so it's like that's a, I always think in terms of examples. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But the idea is, um, what's so fun for me to read this with you, and to be reading Romans for the first time since February, is I'm able to see these words in both ways, in the way that I was so oftentimes heard it in church and in my brain was like, it always sounded negative and horrible. Yeah. And then I don't know that I'm able to use speech to relay the way that it has new meaning to me now. Yeah. All I can say is it has, it has new meaning to me now. Like obligation being something that springs forth within me. Like the desire to not have stinky breath around my friends. So even though that might take the works of brushing my teeth, that's a desire that I have and it's worth the cost. <laughs> yeah. To reading that and seeing it as an obligation of, well, even though you don't want to wake up, God says you have to wake up and be there at 830. So we'll do it like good soldiers. Well, that's totally different. Yeah. Picking up screws, picking up screws and nails to help dad finish the basement because your daddy's girl, daddy wants this basement done. And he's, he's got a job for me to do. That's way better than, well, if there's any screws or nails on the floor, you're going to hell. (laughs) 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 hi so yeah yeah i think the screws analogy is definitely what they're talking about here but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of god now you do the things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life the whole idea is that we are we we've we've left that system of just slaves to what is right and wrong. And now we're just working towards God by picking up screws for the basement. Um, we're, we're, we're participating. We're, we're listening to the Holy spirit. We are trying to be obedient and we're having faith, right? Like faith is a big part of this. And, uh, this doesn't talk about faith too much, but this is, you know, part of the formula that, that is obedience to God. Right. Yeah. So yeah, for the wages of sin are death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus, our Lord. That's a famous verse. If I've ever heard one, (laughs) I broke my promise. I said, I wasn't going to say it again. And, and something we can hang our hat on. So let's hang our hat on that. And we'll see you next time while we commit to run the grid race and run in such a way that we can win. Keep racing.